God, you have given us your word for a light to shine on our path. Inspire us to meditate on that word and follow its teaching that we may find in it the light which shines more and more until it is perfect day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. So we're at June 13th, still officially spring, but feeling more and more like summer here in Birmingham, which is why we aren't in the parking lot anymore at nine. We're in the parish hall, enjoying the air conditioning. And I don't know about you, but at this time of the year, I enjoy this spring in Birmingham for the first time, kind of seeing what blooms at the different times of year as spring has unfolded with the daffodils, and now we have beautiful uh, hydrangeas everywhere. We had azaleas earlier. I'm looking forward to the crepe myrtles. Um, in my yard, um, there were a bunch of spider warts, if you're familiar with what those are, and they had kind of gotten out of control. So I pulled all of those out, and then was sort of left with this empty flower bed out in front of my house. And so a few weeks ago, I started thinking about what would I like to plant in that flower bed. And we have these great picture windows in the front of our house where you can see right out into the yard and lots of light into the dining room and the living room. And so the first thing I did uh, a few weeks ago, my older daughter and I were out shopping and we were at World Market and we saw it was half off for these garden signs, you know, those little kind of cloth banners and you hang them on like a little wrought iron uh, sign hanger and you can put them out in your front yard or wherever you want in your garden. And so there were two to choose from. Now they were half off, so I could have gotten both, but I was trying to, you know, save money. So I'm like, which one do I want to get today for $10, which I thought was a good deal. And so the choice was Earth, it's Earth Day every day, which I think is true. And then the other banner was just uh, simply some flowers with one word on it. And that word is hope. And so that was the banner that I picked um, to take home to display in our front yard in one of the flower beds so that every time coming and going from the house, I'm reminded to hold on to hope. No matter how hopeless my, things may seem at times in our world uh, or even closer to home, like it's a good reminder to always hold on to hope. And also for all of the people who walk and run down our street, and uh, I know I've seen some of you walking and running down my street, so that people passing by are also reminded how important it is to hold on to hope. And so continuing to kind of invest in my garden beyond putting out the hope flag, I thought, well, what kind of flowers do we want to plant at this time of year? Obviously, something that needs full sun uh, is good in that spot. But also, we really like to plant things that attract butterflies and bees and hummingbirds. And we live close enough to here at St. Stephen's that when I see bees, I know that those bees may be going back and forth to our St. Stephen's hives, which is kind of cool to know. Um, so. Yesterday I went to Lowe's in search of something to prune because we have these big bushes on the side of our house and they are now above the roof line and touching the roof and the person who owns our house would like me to trim them. So, and I didn't have the right tool. So I went in search of one of those pole things 
uh, with a tremor because I can't reach, and then I didn't get one. And then three people after the nine o'clock services uh, offered to loan me their pole tremor. So I have one now lined up from a few different people. Um, but I didn't buy the pole trimmer, and I should have, because pruning plants is also important. But what I did come home with were a bunch of butterfly and hummingbird attracting plants. And they're out there in that same part of the yard where my hope flag is. And I find um, that planting things, whether seeds or plants, is itself a hopeful enterprise, because we hope that they're, they're going to live. We hope that they're going to thrive. We hope that they're also going to attract the bees and the butterflies and the birds that we hope will come. And, and I don't know about you, but when I see those things, they also remind me to have hope. So all of this about gardening and planting is not just sort of a nice intro, but actually if you look at three out of the four scripture passages appointed for today, all have sort of a tie-in with seeds and plants and sprigs and shoots and all of those things. We hear about mustard plants and we hear about lofty cedars and we're gonna talk about all of those today. Now I didn't know a lot about mustard plants before reading up and kind of reflecting on where we would go in the sermon today. Uh, a lot of times with this gospel passage, people focus on the tiny mustard seed and having faith as small as a mustard seed, you can do great things. And that is all true. But I think where I want to go instead has to do with the mustard plants also themselves. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently mustard plants are considered by many gardeners to be a weed. Now, why would they be considered a weed? Well, because of the tiny seeds, they can spring up easily and spread to places that really you may not have intended them to grow. And when they grow, Mustard plants really grow. And because of this, many gardeners would say that mustard plants do not belong in the garden. But even the seed of a weed can flourish and become life-giving, a safe place for birds to find food and shade and a place to nest. In the kingdom of God, boundaries, as we know, are crossed. Categories come into question. The tiny seed of a weed can become, as Jesus said, the greatest of all shrubs. And yet, for any audience steeped in images from the Hebrew scriptures of the great cedars in Lebanon, a mustard shrub evokes a much less grand vision of God's plans and promises. Perhaps, as one scholar points out, Jesus has pulled a swap. God's creative presence can still provide abundantly for all creatures even in a region without mighty trees. For people who are expecting God's reign to show itself in mighty deeds, transforming nature and nations, the mustard bush hardly seems like an appropriate sign. It's just an annual plant, after all. It's not a great tree sought out by pharaohs and kings to adorn palaces and temples. And yet, because of its smaller scale, and its more humble reputation, the mustard seed is actually the most appropriate sign of what it means for us to grow into the kingdom of God. However, as Jesus well knew, the mustard plant is not great because of its size, but rather because of what its branches can provide, shelter and shade. The mustard seed grows from the tiniest seed 
and to an often unwanted plant, a bush whose expansive branches, though, can provide for others. Now back in the Ezekiel passage that we also heard for today, we hear about the lofty cedars among the tallest and most revered of trees. However, God knows that even lofty cedars need to be trimmed, much like the bushes that are growing onto the roof of my house. And they're trimmed not only so that the existing trees or bushes will flourish, but also to allow for new trees to take root. And we are like these cedars. We cannot flourish and propagate new life unless we first prune some sprigs and branches out of the way. And then we allow these cuttings sometimes to develop their own roots. And then these can be transplanted into soil to grow into something new. And so the, the cycle of growth and regeneration continues. So the kingdom of God expands in both of these ways, by planting the tiniest seeds, hoping that the small will grow up to become something great, and also by pruning the great cedars, ensuring that new life will spring forth from cuttings from the old. What is low is brought high, and what is high is brought low. God's economy is based on these kind of reversals and incongruities. The weak become strong, the poor become rich, a little child shall lead them. The people of Israel were long expecting a kingly Messiah who would come and save them with royal grandeur and military might. But instead, God sent them and us a savior born into poverty, a child of asylum seekers who fled with Mary and Joseph to Egypt. Jesus saved his people not by conquering or vanquishing, but by sacrificing himself. And so it makes sense that when God tells us about how we can expand his kingdom on earth, that he tells us to go about it in a different way than many earthly leaders would. It's not about making earthly empires great and gaining power over other people. Rather, growing from a tiny seed into the greatest of all shrubs is about growing into a plant or a church or a community or even a whole culture that is an ecosystem, one which provides sustenance and shelter to a diversity of living things. In Ezekiel 17, we hear about the lofty cedar. These tall and majestic trees are often used in scripture to symbolize power and might. And through Ezekiel, God tells us how he will take just a sprig of the lofty cedar, a tender one, from the topmost of its young twigs. And God himself will plant this twig, just a small, pliable piece, on a high and lofty mountain. Now, God doesn't do this to create some sort of shrine to himself, as many a human leader would. But rather, God is planting this young shoot on top of the mountain to build a kingdom through which he will provide a safe place for his people, that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar, and under it, every kind of bird will live in the shade of its branches and will nest winged creatures of every kind. In this prophetic analogy, God is showing us that the, the kingdom that we are to join him in building is one in which all people are provided for, because this kingdom bears fruit. 
And not only that, but the kingdom we are to build for and with God is one in which diversity is at its core. There is room in God's kingdom for everyone. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. This is repeated, highlighting its importance to what God is telling us through this prophetic picture. So how can we build God's kingdom now? Growth and new life require changes in state. A seed has to rupture open whenever a new plant begins to germinate. A tall plant or tree requires pruning. A plant cutting must first form its own new roots in water before it can be transplanted into the soil and begin to grow. The question we must consider is this, are we willing to have parts of ourselves broken off or ruptured and then rooted and replanted by God so that we can grow into a noble cedar or the greatest of all shrubs, embodying God's provision and protection in this world? Are we willing to be tiny mustard seeds with the determination to grow into the, into the greatest of shrubs even when we grow within the boundaries of a garden in which we may at first be seen as just another weed. And so to return to that image we started with of staking our claim to hope, let's hope that as we grow up from the tiniest seeds and sprigs of faith into the greatest of all shrubs and cedars, that God's kingdom will indeed be manifest in and through us. Amen. Amen.